Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 17 of The Revenge of Kang. We embark today upon the beginning of this adventure, our last time travel adventure, the the final one of the trio. Our heroes are experienced time travelers by now. We, the players, are experienced superhero players, and specifically, we have a lot of experience with this adventure series. We know what to expect, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, because if you're like me, as your experience level with this adventure series has risen. It's been accompanied by a corresponding drop in your patience levels. So just to kind of test, just to see where we're all at on this, I want you to do me a favor, if you will. Please note the point during today's episode or tomorrow's episode or the episode after that, when if you were playing this campaign, you would throw your dice or slam your book on the table and seriously consider quitting the campaign. Let's go to the box text. Quote, you are returning to your proper place and time from another pleasant jaunt in your time machine. Outside the machine's viewports, you can see the odd combination of colored lights that make up the temporal vortex, the strange region of timelessness that the time machine passes through while it is between destinations. Suddenly, your time capsule begins to groan and wheeze, a sound it's never made before. This might be trouble. It sure is. It sure, sure is. Quote, ask the players to indicate which of the PCs is piloting the time machine. Pause for groans from the group. Quote, he or she must make an immediate good intensity agility feat roll. If he or she passes this role, the time machine stops wheezing for the time being, and everything seems okay. If the pilot fails the agility feat, however, the time machine shakes violently, and everyone on board automatically takes typical blunt damage. That's six points of damage. Use tally marks. We're not done yet. Quote, the time machine is passing through the temporal turbulence that is a result of blah blah blah. Spoilers about what's causing turbulence. Although, I mean, you know, after three of these things, it could be anything. It could be a time-traveling archaeologist stepped invisibly from their time ship in the Jurassic period and, and almost but didn't quite step on a butterfly, and it just felt the almost imperceptible brush of his foot upon its wing. And here you are in the time machine, and it just fucking hurdles end over end. Like, it just went through the guardrail and all the way down Niagara Falls. You're just, like, blood everywhere. Time travelers' screams echoing through the universe. If airplanes responded this way to turbulence, you would see them drop from the sky daily. But none of that matters now. Our heroes got in the time machine. They have no one to blame but themselves. Now it's time to handle the problem. You may first attempt to figure out what the fuck is going on, but it says here, if you try to use the computers to figure out what caused the turbulence, it doesn't work. It's going to take hours to reprogram the computer. We're not doing role-playing or investigation right now. It's time for piloting roles. Quote, on each round, the pilot must make a good intensity agility feat roll. On a green result, he or she receives one navigation point. On a yellow result, he or she receives two navigation points. And on a red result, he or she receives four navigation points. Once the pilot has received a total of eight navigation points, he or she has navigated the turbulence and the time machine materializes back in 1989 as described below. It goes on to say that every other round you make a piloting check, a wave of turbulence hits the time machine, and you have to make yet another agility feat roll at good intensity. And if you fail that, then everybody takes typical damage again. Then this page goes on to say what happens when you walk out of the time machine, but we'll get to that tomorrow. We're going to have plenty to say tomorrow, but we've also got plenty to say today about this 
infuriating opening sequence. It's we've done this before. Like obviously this we've done this in the time machine before and it sucked then and it sucks now. What's interesting about it this time is that this is the same scene but with all of the decoration taken down. The tablecloths off the table, the paintings are down from off the walls. No no little logic puzzle, no buddy buddy dialogue in the box text, no warning bells telling us we need to get in the time machine, we're just already in the time machine. This is just the bare bones of what the scene actually is, which is so, so many piloting roles, so much potential damage, and such absolute irrelevance to this story. This is not primarily about the actual consequences of this scene, which are not likely to be too bad for most groups. Almost any group is going to have someone with better than good agility on the team. And if you do, then these are pretty simple roles. You can probably make most of them. Even if you only get green results, you'll slowly gain navigation points. You can spend a little karma to avoid failures, bump yourself up to higher levels of success when appropriate. You get by pretty cheap. This scene still sucks in that case, don't get me wrong. But I want to direct your attention for a moment to the worst case scenario. This time machine might as well have a sign on the door that says, you must be at least this agile to time travel. Because while the typical team is not going to be too bad off here, the rare team that has no one with an agility better than good is going to be wrecked by this pointless opening sequence. As it happens, such a team exists. It is one of my favorite teams from one of my favorite comic book runs, the original New Mutants. Cannonball, Danny Moonstar, Wolfsbane, Karma, Sunspot. I was looking through the books that list all the superhero write-ups for this game, just confirming my belief that typically this won't be a problem for a super team. And I happen to notice the New Mutants are a rare team who don't have the requisite agility to deal with this problem. So I thought, what happens to them? Well, here's what happens to them. A character with good agility, of whom they have a few on the team, will succeed in about one quarter of these piloting roles. And keep in mind that each successful role will yield two navigation points. Remember, these characters can't get green results to earn one navigation point because this author doesn't understand the intensity rules. Everybody take a much-needed drink. So if they're succeeding at one out of four roles and they need to succeed at four roles to get all the navigation points they need, we can expect that we are opening this session by making 16 goddamn piloting rolls. But that's not all. Every other round that we make a piloting roll, another wave of turbulence hits the ship, and we have to make an additional piloting roll to avoid taking typical damage. This is after the initial piloting roll that probably inflicted typical damage on us. If we make 16 rolls, then we'll have to make 8 rolls against turbulence waves. Of those 8 rolls, we'll probably fail 6. We'll also probably fail the first roll, which makes 7 failed rolls. Each failed roll inflicts 6 damage, which means each of us is likely to take 42 damage before we escape this fucking cross-time suicide booth of a time machine. Let me tell you about my friends, the New Mutants, some of my favorite comic book characters. Danny Moonstar, wonderful character. She has 56 hit points, of which she stands to lose 42 before the author lets her out of the time machine to start the adventure. Sunspot is doing even worse at 52 health. Now, he does have a superpower that will allow him to go into his super strong, super tough Sunspot form and avoid damage from things like hitting the sides of a tumbling time machine. However, he can only maintain his form for 5 plus 1d10 rounds, which means even if he rolls a 10 on 1d10, he simply cannot keep his powers active long enough to last through this long-ass, narratively pointless piloting sequence. We're talking about 16 rolls here. Well, 16 rounds. 16 piloting rolls plus the other 8 piloting rolls that you have to make to try to keep the rest of the team from dying. That's 24 rolls, which, by the way, for the person out there who is thinking, well, in the event that you're one of the few teams that doesn't have an agility person, 
then you just spend some of your karma. That's what it's for. To buy in so that you have the option to spend karma on a roll, whether you can use it to affect the result or not based on your roll, you have to spend 10 karma. That's the, that's the minimum. If you don't spend 10 karma up front, you're not allowed to spend karma on the roll. Just to buy in to be able to spend karma on all these rolls would cost 240 points of karma. Nobody has that much karma. One of us is karma, and karma doesn't have that much karma. We may use karma early on to avoid taking some lumps, but it is not a reliable way to avoid this damage. But yet we have to try. Returning to the characters in the New Mutants, Wolfsbane, she has 42 hit points, because she's like 13 when the series begins, so it makes sense. She's going to have to turn into wolf form to get extra health, so she doesn't die in this time machine. And then once she's turned into a wolf, she's not going to be able to turn back into a person. She's going to have to walk around as a wolf because if she forgets, she tries to turn back into a person, she's just going to fall over and there's going to be the sad corpse of this little superhero, two big bruises, the shape of the fucking coat hooks and the time machine on her back. Cannonball has the most health in the group at 60 and he has a force field power that could maybe help him here, but he had better not use it. He has a force field that protects him and that would protect him from these impacts, but only while he is hurtling forward like a cannonball. Sam Guthrie needs to sit down and shut up and just accept getting beaten bloody by the time-space continuum. He can take it. If he starts launching around this time machine cabin, he, he does not have great control at this stage, and his friends are in enough trouble just from slamming into the walls and the ceiling without having him crash into their ribs like a big gawky teenage bullet and fuck them up even more. And even if Sam does the right thing and just embraces his share of the head injuries here, Karma, fifth member of the team, she has 32 hit points. Karma is going to die in this time machine. And you may say, well, you could just fix this. I mean, if you know you've got a team where everybody's got bad agility, then you could just reduce the difficulty, or you could fudge some of the die rolls, or you could say, uh, everybody make an agility check to hold on to the safety railing, and if you do that, then nobody takes any damage. You could fix this scene. Sure you could. You could fix these rules. You could modify this situation. You could custom tailor it to your table so that you can salvage it for your group. This is the dumbest thing on this page, not only because it's all fucked up and needs fixing, but also because, truly, what are you salvaging here? This is nothing. This is, it's not even on the way to something interesting. Because it's just turbulence. Like, you could just say there's turbulence or not say there's turbulence. It makes no, like, sometimes there are speed bumps in a role-playing game where, like, a dwarf charges into your room and yells, death to the traitors, and tries to kill you with a hammer. And, like, on a plot level, hey, that's interesting. I wonder why this dwarf thinks we're traitors. Who is this dwarf? Did someone send them? We should go investigate. And then there's like a speed bump of, okay, there's this tactical combat with like, where are all the things in the room? Where's my armor? Let me go over and get that. It's just a little something to do on the way to the story. But it's part of the narrative. This is not a speed bump. This is a stick up. This is just like, you're on your way to go be in an adventure and the GM just fucking mugged you. Put them up, kids. Your karma or your life. And they'll probably pay. Karma's probably going to die anyway. But these superheroes are going to have to pay through the nose to survive this. And even if you have a better pilot on the team, you'll have to pay some karma. You might lose some health. You're going to be drained of resources for no good reason. And that's about to become very relevant. This scene may seem inconsequential, and it is in the sense of contributing directly to the narrative. But if you spend enough of your resources on this, like say Sunspot did, where he maintained his powers as long as he could, and he won't get them back for hours, this story could take an unexpectedly tragic turn. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. 
Contact me however you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.